to see it today. We love the idea of reset, right? Nothing like getting froze up with your device or even I was thinking about that while I was playing the Nintendo, uh, the gaming thing that uh, some of you might do, some of you haven't. I used to do it uh, growing up and um, just you get caught in the game. Yeah, you don't like where you're at or uh, you, 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 you didn't get as many points or you need an extra life or you know all that stuff. And you just Reach over and push reset and start again, right? I think human nature longs for this reality of the ability to have a new start, a fresh start, a restart, a reset. Um, uh, <clears throat> and so that's kind of our focus this, this month, is just thinking about areas in our lives, or our lives as a whole, um, and the idea that God offers or uh, what truth does he, he, has he given to us that we can incorporate into our lives as we see different areas of our lives that, that may need a reset? Um, and the, one of the biggest things I want to keep saying every week is this. Reset comes from help outside of me. So this is not a series. This is not a New Year's resolution series where you need to look inside yourself and you need to try a little harder, and you need to dig a little deeper, and you need to, uh, that's just not what this is. That is not what the gospel is. That is not what our whole faith is built on. It's built on the reality that we are broken, we're lost, we're helpless. Um, In fact, the harder we try, the worse we make it. We need help outside of ourselves. And so when we're thinking about resetting maybe different areas of our lives, or uh, it's always with the idea that, you know what, maybe I need a reset here, or maybe my whole life needs a reset, but I'm not going to be able to do that. I need something outside of me to help me accomplish that. Just as the device that you have that freezes up cannot reset itself. It needs somebody to push the power button to reset it or whatever it is. So too our lives need something outside of us to be able to help us reset in in our lives or different areas of our lives. And so reset is something that comes from help outside of me. Last week we talked about, just jumping in, about our heart, right? Let's just start right at the core of everything and try to understand. Maybe you're saying my heart just needs to be, to, to be reset. Um, as scripture shares that the heart is, is the uh, control center of our whole life. And um, we simply made the conclusion based off of the parable that Jesus shared of the sower and the seeds and the soils that uh, the primary thing we need to to see or understand about the condition of our heart is we just need to make it available to the word of God. Just make it available to the word of God. If we will allow that to happen, he is able to make our heart that 
what he calls a good heart, where his word then becomes fruitful in our lives. And so um, as we're looking at reset, I just want to remind you that um, one of the, the core things that you and I need to, to think about and to grab onto is that the word of God is the essential component for our lives resetting and refocusing and whatever reword you want to use here and being on track. It's the word of God, making it available to the word of God. The second thing I want to talk about this week is reset my faith. Reset my faith. Now, I am overwhelmed by this topic, I'm going to be honest. There's so much that could be said. I need to be succinct in what I say. And so I'm not going to say everything today about faith that could be said. Okay? Um, and you just, there is just, um, but again, central to the idea of Scripture is this notion, this concept, this reality of faith. Let me just jump, uh, let me just share a few scriptures with you to kind of set the, our, our, our track here, where we're going. But I just want to remind you what the scriptures say. Remember, it's in Hebrews 11 and 6 that says these words. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly Seek after him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's in Romans chapter 1, as Paul is beginning this brilliant book and this essential book to our understanding of what the Christian faith is about. Um, he says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by what? Faith. From first to last, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The power of God and the righteousness of God, I think that's interesting. I've been kind of sidelined by that for a moment. Uh, as I've been studying, you know, power is the ability to accomplish, right? Everybody in the world today is seeking that kind of power. The secret of adequacy, the ability to be and do what you'd like to be and do, the ability to cope, the ability to handle whatever life throws at you. It is a fundamental, urgent cry of the human heart to have the power to act correctly and effectively and to handle life adequately power the power of God and the righteousness of God he talks about two things there righteousness is the freedom to do so the power of God that enables but the righteousness of God is the freedom to do so it means that the individual has all of his internal problems now worked on he is released, no longer hung up with problems, inhibitions, limitations, and barriers within. These are being solved and removed. He is no longer under the burden of guilt, defeated, nor is he defeated by self-loathing. He is free to be and accomplish what God wants. This is the gospel. It's the power of God and the righteousness of God, and it is activated in our life by what? By faith. 
The just live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The just live by faith. Ongoing lifestyle faith is the core component, correct? Um, I don't think I put it in my thing here. I have it in my notes. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, which simply, we remember this verse so that we walk by faith and not by sight, correct? 1 John reminds us that, that everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I'm just trying to kind of set the scene for us today to remind us the weight of this idea of faith that's in Scripture. It's a core theme of Scripture. I would say this, faith is God's first language. God speaks the language of faith. When you call and they say, press one for English, press two for Spanish, calling God is the first language is faith. That's his language. That's what he speaks. Now I would remind you also that Romans shares with us that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Right, And so again, the word of God is what is, a, is, the, is the deliverer of faith to us. And so that's what we want to do today because I really have something on my heart that I'm afraid um, it's, it's a large thing and I want to be very simple with it. But I hope that the Holy Spirit takes the words of Scripture and the idea of the sermon today and really sets it down on your heart and my heart this morning. And that's why we look at the word because it is what brings faith. Now, 2,500 years ago, there was a guy who lived. There was a group of guys that lived. Well, there, obviously there was people that lived. But there was a group of guys, one most influential. And um, you might not have given him much mind. You might not have... Uh, <clears throat> have uh, really considered much of his life. But the ideas, the philosophy that he, uh, he uh, put together, completed, and shared is something that has influenced societies and um, cultures for now 2,500 years. Uh, Aristotle, uh, the philosopher of, of, of Greece, formulated this idea that has been, for now 2,500 years, perpetuated generation, generation after generation. And it's this simple idea. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Very rational approach to life. Seeing is believing. And that simple idea, concept, has now perpetuated itself for century after century after century. Seeing is believing. But you know, 2,000 years ago, when the Lord himself came and walked this earth, he had a completely different approach and teaching. Jesus would have said, No, Aristotle, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. And so what I know that I am 
dealing with in our culture today is the competition of these two kind of approaches to life. All around us, the systems, the thought patterns of our world is bought into this thinking, which is simply seeing is believing. And I'm not going to, I don't have time. All the while, Jesus would say, believing is what creates seeing. And so I know I'm talking to people who live, you're here this morning, right? You're you're Christian people. You're following the, the, the way of Jesus or attempting to or interested in or or um, exploring that. And yet all around you, there is the seeing is believing, and yet Jesus himself was believing is seeing. I think it's important for us to realize this, because what has happened as, as these 25 years, 2,500 years have moved on, the seeing is believing has marginalized faith. It's marginalized faith. And as we have advanced in so many ways, and as we have, as we have uh, had this kind of thinking in our world, faith continues to be marginalized as a whole in our world. It's amazing. People who are not Christian, who maybe would have believed in you know, a thousand years ago, would have believed in certain uh, unexplainable things. That has completely, it started to diminish more and more and more as this philosophy continues to grow and grow and grow. And so I realize when I'm talking to you that when I'm saying these words, when I'm talking about faith, we live in in a world that is a competing philosophy here. Now, I would remind you that Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Faith, it's the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? Faith is um, faith because it's not right in front of you. It's not happened yet. It's not realized. Faith at its core is, um, is what you are hoping will happen and believing that even though it's not happening right now, it is going to happen. You know, Jesus, I think it's interesting, was um, interacting with people all the time through those first two years of his ministry, right? Right? Every day. I mean, it was just all the time. And I I thought this was compelling to me this week. That there are two times when we read about his interaction with people where the word amazed is used. Jesus is amazed by something. The creator of the universe is amazed by something that somebody did. He was astonished. He's taken back. Those words are used. You know what they are? The first one is found in in Mark chapter 6. And basically it's the idea that in Jesus' hometown, 
um, he could not perform very many miracles. And it says that because of the environment there, he was amazed at their what? At their lack of faith. That amazes Jesus. Lack of faith. The other one is found in Matthew chapter 8. This short story. And it says, um, it's the story where the centurion soldier comes to Jesus. um, And um, he's asking that his servant be healed. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Again, there's so many things in this story. I'm kind of just going through it. But a centurion was someone that honestly, if he would have walked up and asked for somebody to be healed, really, the, even the disciples would have been thinking, um, no, that's all right. Go ahead. No, we'll, we'll pass on this one. In fact, I kind of hope secretly that your servant who's sick would kind of pass it on to you and the rest of your family. And the centurion was hated, right? This leader of Roman soldiers, this picture, this reality of oppression. I mean, this is, and Jesus is, you know, again, his ministry is blowing up all these things. And he, he says to the centurion, well, you have a servant that wants to be healed. Should I come and heal him? Jesus normally healed with, with touch, right? A presence. And the centurion replied, Lord, um, I think I got those verses. Okay, let's go another one. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he says this, for I myself am a man under authority and soldiers with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. In other words, he says, listen, because of the authority that I have, the backing of Rome, that me, as maybe just a a normal, average guy, can tell a hundred people what to do, and as soon as I say it, they go and run and do it because of the authority that has come from Rome that's put on me. He's saying, I have seen and observed what you do, and I know that you, are, you have this authority over sickness and disease that as soon as you say a word, it's gone. And Jesus was just astounded that this centurion man could see what the reality of life was, that Jesus truly holds authority over everything. And it says that Jesus, when he had heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, and it goes on and says that I've never seen faith in all of you guys. And so, the two things that amazed Jesus in Scripture is he was amazed at lack of faith and he was amazed at great faith. I would stop for a moment and say this. Would Jesus be amazed at either in your life? This past week, would he be amazed that you haven't believed and trusted and prayed for him to do something great in your life? Would he be amazed by that? Be amazed, astonished that 
you don't even ask because you don't even believe in the authority and in the power that I have. Would Jesus be amazed by that? Or would he be amazed by the fact that you are consistently, or this past week, you have boldly approached him and said, Father, I am praying and asking you to do this thing in my life or in this situation. And I believe and know that you hold all authority. There are no, uh, uh, it's, it's you. You are able, and I'm praying and asking that. Would Jesus be amazed by either in your life? And so as I've been thinking about this, and, and I'm getting to my point here, just follow me. I wanted to share this idea of Matthew chapter 17. This story, again, another story. You know, this week as I've been um, reading through these stories in, in, the, in the Gospels, just kind of reading and then reading another story and reading another story, all the time, guess what's central to it? Because you believe, or according to your faith, because you believed, according to your faith, over and over and over again, you could not, if you were reading for the first time the Gospels, you didn't know this Jesus character, and you're reading about the story of his life, one thing that you should initially take away from it is, wow, the way that things happen in people's lives when they interacted with Jesus is when they exercise faith in who he was and his ability and his power. I mean, it is just central to every. Just go ahead and read it this week. Read a story. You'll see it. Read another story. You'll see it. And so there's one of these stories that is maybe making the point I want, is helping me going to make the point I want to make this morning. It's Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. Now, this story is also told in the other Gospels, two of the other Gospels. And um, the other Gospels help us to see that this man had been begging the disciples to heal his son. And they had tried, and they had not been able to do it. Now, so he, he persists in moving past them and not being... Um, uh, stopped by their failure, he keeps moving until he gets to Jesus. He presses until he gets to Jesus. And here he's pleading with Jesus, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. I think it's Luke that tells us that when the son came up, he has a seizure, right? Right there in front of Jesus. And this father's pleading, and he often fall, falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to you, disciples, but they could not heal him. And listen to Jesus' words. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. Okay? This is the loving Jesus. This is the guy who stood, uh, hung on the cross for your sins. This is the guy who loves you with a love that you can't even comprehend. Um. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Perverse is the idea of uh, twisted, crooked. Um, it's the word that was used uh, of objects that were made by a craftsman that turned out lousy because he was a clumsy craftsman. He distorted it. 
He said, your faith, O unbelieving and twisted generation, how long shall I stay with you? It's kind of that exasperated, you know what your mom used to do. How many times do I have to tell you this? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. I, I think Jesus had, okay, so he had sent out 12 and he had sent out 72 and they had already done healing and miracles in his name. And I think he's just at a point like, you've seen me do it. You've done it yourself. What is the deal here? Jesus says, bring the boy here to me. He rebukes the demon and it comes out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replies, because you have so little faith. Four times he would say this in the Gospels. Little faith. He said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Again, I, I, I think this is what I want to land on today because I feel like I'm talking to people who have exercised a certain amount of faith. Okay? I should rephrase that statement. I'm assuming that you're not practicing a great amount of faith. And that's, that's poor on my part. I'm not trying to do that. But I think at a bare minimum, all of us are here because we exercise some faith. Right? Faith in him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the forgiver of my sins. Okay? I think that's what he's saying to them. You have this faith that I am who I am. You keep following me every day. You haven't deserted. You believe in my message. But your ability to accomplish the things that I can accomplish and that I would love for you to be accomplished is hampered because of your little faith. I would say immature faith, small. Now he uses the illustration of a mustard seed, and so many people, you know, would say, well, you know, you just need a little faith to move a mountain. Well, I don't think that's the principle of the mustard seed. They had a little faith. The mustard seed is the smallest seed, right? It's minuscule. You can't even see it. I think they had that. Little would be mustard seed. But the idea of the mustard seed in Scripture is that it is growing, the whole principle of the mustard seed is this little seed becomes this massive tree. It's this growth principle. And I think he's saying, listen, your faith is not grown. It's not growing like a mustard seed. It just, it just it's containable. Your faith has stayed at this little level. And the point I want to make with with us today is that faith is God's way or faith is what enables the Lord to do the mighty and the miraculous in our lives. Are you scared by that word miraculous? Right? We, we've run from the whole faith conversation. 
Because you turn on the TV and you got this crazy guy saying things like, if you'll give me $100 and you have enough faith with that $100, I'll give you $100,000. We've absolutely run from this faith conversation. We've overreacted. But yet the scriptures present a God who wants to do great and wonderful things in our lives. And the way he does it is by uh, our faith, believing and trusting in who he is, his power, his ability. And so often we walk around, as the disciples did, with little faith. Faith that's so small that we've maybe even stopped asking God to do big and wonderful and powerful things in our lives, in the lives of our loved ones, in the lives of the people we work with, in the lives of our communities. We've just even stopped asking anymore because our faith is operating maybe at such a small, little level. And he's saying, listen, I've called you to something greater. And that is to have a bold, confident, daring faith that always believes that I am able and that is always asking and seeking after me to do great things. I think seeing is believing is winning the day. In our world, Unfortunately, maybe in a lot of our lives. And Jesus is over here saying, listen, faith doesn't operate that way. Okay, so, you're, so you're, your son just can't get free from his addiction. And he keeps repeatedly falling. And he's entangled. And, he's, and the world would say, well, this just kind of is who he is. Is what it is. Just kind of the way he's put together and that's just what he's going to do. And we're just going to try to figure out ways to maybe manage him and maybe help him to not be as bad as he could be. All the while on the other side, the gospel and Jesus is saying, I can do something about that. I can change that person's life. And even though you don't see it right now, would you believe that I have the power to do that? In your own life, I don't know what this looks like. Again, I'm just depending on the Holy Spirit, but I wanted to leave you with a few principles. I believe that that um, that that kind of highlight this kind of faith, because Jesus said you're you're unbelieving and you're twisted. You have little faith, and that's never what I had planned for you. I planned for you to have a bold, confident overcoming faith a faith that moves mountains right everybody understands that's a metaphor right please don't drive somewhere and try to start talk to a mountain you end up in the psych ward it's a metaphor how many mountains are moving in your life right now how many mountains have moved in your life this past year how many mountains have been moved on a, on a ba- uh, even in a three-year time? That's the kind of faith that God is calling us to live with. Mountain-moving faith. 
were actually the miraculous, and again, we, we have miracles in like healings and all that. I say miracle is through the power of God's grace, changing lives, changing circumstances, changing situations that otherwise would not change except for the power of God. How many of those things are happening in our lives? He's wanting us to believe. He's wanting this to become a normal occurrence in our lives. Where we stop being surprised after a while. Well, God, you know, he changed this whole situation. Ah! I want to live at a point where I'm like, God changed that whole situation. And everybody's like, that was kind of a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. It's what God does. I'm his child. That's, I believe in his power and ability. I trust him. I ask him. I seek him. I'm a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him with this stuff. And he just changes things and does things. That's what he's calling us to. So I live you with these three principles. You cannot play it safe and please God. I truly believe this is what the scriptures have always tried to tell us. You cannot play it safe and please God. If what you do is on your own, you are not pleasing God. Um, now, sometimes we like to glorify faith and think that once we have faith, it's never going to be a struggle. Um, Abraham, who is the father of faith, who's the exhibit A of faith, would show us that that's not true. The guy who was everything with faith uh, at times doubted God, took things into his own hands. But yet he continued, even through his mistakes, to persist in believing and trusting in God. You know, I was thinking of this as um, playing it safe. Um, you know, the worst ride at King's Island is that one drop ride. You ever ride that ride? You guys don't go to King's Island. You go to Cedar Point, right? I can't remember if Cedar Point has this ride. Where it just, it's just simply a tower, right? And it just lifts you way up into the air. And, uh, and then it drops you. To me, that is the worst ride. Give me a roller coaster where I'm going 200 miles an hour straight at the ground. But that sensation of sitting in the air, just sitting suspended, my feet dangling over, remember, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And then all of a sudden, them just letting it go. I, I got to be honest, I get up there, and I get scared. I do it because maybe I'm with somebody, and I don't want to show my fear. I don't want to be a party pooper. Yeah, I'll go on that ride. But when I get up to the top of that ride at Kings Island, I'm scared. I got to be honest, I've sat up there and had thoughts like, I'm rededicating my life to Christ right now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, okay, I think everything's right, but just to make sure, I just start, I might start confessing things that I don't even know are true. Like, just Lord, just to make sure everything's safe, I'm just gonna, right? And then it lets go. That's so scary. You're just falling. You're trusting the cables in that machine. And your feet are dangling over. And, and it's just, you feel like you're nothing. And you're, that's not playing it safe. That sensation 
I believe is what God wants us to get to in our life at times. I can't share this like I want to. What are you playing it safe with? What are areas of your life are you just like, Lord, I, I just really don't even want you to talk to me about that because I just feel comfortable. I feel safe. Faith calls us to not just play it safe. I would say this too, faith is, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. What areas of your life are you not moving out in because there is no guarantee it's going to work out? See, I don't have time. I told you. I have so, I have so much stuff up here and I can't. But you, start re- you start reading the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And those guys didn't play it safe and they didn't have a guarantee. A guy's building a boat for 120 years and it's never rained. Abraham's leaving not knowing where he gets. He literally going, just literally gets up and goes. Moses, the prince of Egypt, so to speak, fights for his people and is chased out. That's not playing it safe and that's not guaranteeing your future. And actually when he's in Midian where he's become comfortable as an 80-year-old shepherd and it's about time to say, you know what? I am good. I'm just going to coast off in the sunset. God calls him. That's not playing it safe. It's not playing with the guarantee. And I would say it leads to this simple point. The third point. Go one more. One more. To step toward your destiny you will have to step away from your security. And I really believe God wants to challenge us to be people of bold, daring faith. People through whom he uses to do miraculous things in this community, in our circle of influence. And he calls us to be risk takers, to be bet the farm type people with certain areas of our lives. And I think maybe in this reset as we start a new year, I think God laid it on my heart to share this today, to just once again remind you that God is amazed, astonished by great faith and he moves in response to that. And he's calling us to be people who don't play it safe, who don't live always on a guarantee, who always are not worried about security, but we're thinking about and we're wanting to see what is it that God can accomplish. You know this. You've heard the stories all around us. The principle is always true. Without a risk, there is no reward. Some of you have taken huge risk in your personal life with your businesses and stuff like that. And you've experienced success, but you never would have experienced it without the risk. There wasn't a guarantee. There wasn't necessarily security, but you stepped out. God is calling us to be people who are willing to step out in faith. 
And I don't know where that is in your life. And I don't know what that is personally for you. I just have to allow the Holy Spirit. God calls us to this. You know why? Because I promise you, I promise you that if you'll step out in response to him and step out in faith, Maybe you don't know how it's gonna go. Maybe it's scary. Maybe it's a certain amount of risk for you in different areas of your life. I promise you God is going to do great and powerful things through that. And he's gonna change lives and he's gonna change circumstances and he's gonna change situations. This is what he does. When we step out in faith, he responds. So simply I ask you to stand this morning and sing this with this and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you I know he's been speaking to me this week I feel like it's so relevant for all of us we live in a seeing is believing world God Jesus calls us into believing is seeing reality what is it that right now you need to believe that is not seen right now that you need to believe right now that God can do it, wants to do it. And you need to believe and be willing to commit. Whatever it is, God, I believe that you're going to do it. I believe that you can do it. I'm stepping out in faith. Would you sing with me this, or sing with Ben this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior again. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Father, you're the one who has the power and the ability. And as your children, one of the things that moves your heart, you call us to, is to believe and trust and seek after you to do great, wonderful things in this world through our lives. And Lord, we're asking for you to reset our faith. Maybe we've just been living at this low level, this little faith that we follow Jesus, but honestly, we can't move mountains, so to speak. Can't cast out the demon and the boy, so to speak. Because we just don't have that faith. And Lord, yet you're calling us to this. And Lord, I don't know what that mountain is or that demon-possessed boy in our life is. But you call us to exercise a bold and daring faith. One that throws away safety and guarantees and security and says, you know what, I don't see it right now, but I believe God's going to do it. We want to be believing is seeing type people. So Lord, I know you've spoken. You've spoken into my life. 
cause us to believe so that we can then see. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.